If you have a child who's always looking for another book to read, that can be encouraging and challenging. Let's talk about it. Welcome to the Simply Charlotte Mason podcast. I'm Sonia Schaefer. I think almost all of us who use the Charlotte Mason method have a desire to see our children love to read. We know how much richness good books can add to our thoughts and our lives, and we want our children to experience that too. So on one hand, when we see one of our children eager to read and always looking for another book to get his hands on, we rejoice. But on the other hand, having a voracious reader can present some challenges. Let's discuss those challenges and some ideas to help. I've asked my friends, Laura Pitney and Jen Foss, to add their thoughts to this discussion. Welcome, you guys. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Here is the question, as one mom described it. Here's her challenge. She said, what about when a child reads voraciously on his own at a rate that I can no longer pre-screen or skim everything before he devours it? So far, not a problem. He likes to tell me excerpts. And if we run into anything questionable, we chat about it. But unless he brings it to me, I may not know the idea he's encountered that he innocently thinks is normal because he read it in a book. It's a great question. It is. It is. is. We don't know how old this child is, so we might need to kind of discuss in general terms. But how have you handled making sure the books that your children get their hands on are good? The first thing that comes to my mind is I feel like that question we can all relate to because I think there's a little bit of fear for us. Here we are deciding to homeschool and invest in our children, and what if we expose them to something they're not ready for or we're not there holding their hand? So I feel like the root of that question kind of is summed up in that, that we want the best for them. And so in the world of literature, at some point, it's kind of no longer in our control. And so there's some fear from the parent's perspective of how to handle that. And I know for me, um, literature is something I struggle with because I was not a strong reader um, as a young adult. And so I am just now growing into that myself. And so To have a child that loves to read, which I do have one of those, um, has kind of revealed some of my own insecurities because I think it's great and I want her to thrive in it, Um, but it kind of scares me too because I haven't read these books before because they're new to me as well. Mm -hmm. And so to have a trusted friend who's a good reader is great to be able to... um, toss around ideas or ask about just for me personally to have a good source that I can turn to um, as like a book review type person if you will Um, so Jen's kind of my go-to just also because she has older children that have read the books before my children are coming along so so helpful you know for me it's having that person that um, if I'm not on my a-game pre-reading which Mm -hmm. I'm not hardly ever. Um, (laughs) It's good to have a good friend that is kind of in the same boat where your community of, is this book good or or not, or that kind of thing. What about you, Jen? Well, I would would definitely agree that I have always loved to read. Um, That's just 
always been a part of my life. Mm -hmm. The problem for me in my background is I wasn't always reading the right books mm. that maybe I would want my children reading now. And that has really come with living this Charlotte Mason lifestyle for a long time. I, I feel like not only is this education for our children, but um, wanting our kids to read these good books, it, it plays a role for us as well. Definitely. And so my oldest is 18. So I have had, mm -hmm. you know, I, I've, I've been at this for a while. And um, I also have some other friends, and we have some other friends mm -hmm. in our community that have older kids than, than my oldest. And so that definitely is helpful seeing what, you know, what they're reading. Um, but my, my oldest is a voracious reader. And uh, we would get books from the library and she would just, she would start reading them on the way home yeah. in the car. Yeah. And so we were just going through them so quickly. And I, like this mom, I knew that I had a problem on my hands that I needed to kind of um, think about and get a solution for. And so one of the very first things that I did um, once upon a time was I got a book uh, because, again, I didn't trust myself. I knew that some of the books that I really was going through when I was younger are not the kind of books that, especially in that middle school, um, you know, time period, I guess. It's different when we're reading it for ourselves and then if we're reading it for our children. Right. Yeah, or you remember it, it yeah. differently. You <laughs> sure. only remember the good yeah. parts and you forget, oh, I forgot that was in there. <laughs> sure, and after a few sure. of those surprises, yeah. you, yeah. you say, oh, That's okay, great. this, I can't rely on my memory. Or yeah. so many of the mainstream books or series that are out there may not be the best literature that you want your children reading. And I, I definitely think, um, I, I have heard the um, argument of, well, at least my children are reading. Oh. And I really strongly <laughs> disagree with that. Thank you. I really, really disagree with that Absolutely. because it, I think it really does matter what they are reading. Yes. So it's not as long as they're reading, it's good. No. Um, and once you set the bar for the type of reading that they're spending their time in, it's very hard to up up the bar, I guess. Does that make any sense? Yes. It, it's yeah, very yes. hard to raise the bar. Yes. And so um, when my oldest was fairly young, when she was really starting to read on her own, I got a book um, that I could physically take to the library with me that would um, had lists of good books. It was a book with lists of good books. Yes. And, and there are so many of those out there, there now. Are. And you brought I some did. of them. I did, I brought some Go of them. Go ahead and show some. Okay, so this was the first book that I got. and Books Children Love. Books Children by Love. By Elizabeth Wilson. Yes, and this was a fantastic book. The only uh, disclaimer with this would be a lot of these books are out of print. Mm -hmm. um, but oftentimes at your library, they do have books that are out of print. So um, this was the first one I had, and I would just take it with me to the library. I did too. And um, I would just sit in the children's section, and Delaney and I would open up the, you know, would open up this, and we'd start searching for authors, and um, some of them we would find, and some of them we wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And um, I find this really funny because y'all are so like-minded. When the kids and I, when my kids got old enough to do the library trips. I had to ask the librarian to show me how to do the library, like how to find, <laughs> like it had been so long right, uh -huh, right, since uh -huh. I had really been in a library because I wanted 
to teach them, okay, this is the author, this is the type of book, so right. how do we find it on all these shelves? Right. I was like, can you give us a little tutorial? Right. No, that's right, a right, good right. idea. I, I bet the librarian loved she showing did, them. I just feel like, well, you know what? Y'all are really good. So, <laughs> no, so fast forward many years, Delaney just took a dual enrollment class. Um, an English 1101 class, and one class period they spent in the university library having a tutorial on various things. You're doing just ahead research, of time, so I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> so what are the other books that okay, you would so use? So some of the other ones um, are Honey for a Child's Heart, and as the children get older, um, there is a Honey for Teen's Heart, and right. there's also Honey for a Woman's Heart, I believe. That's and Gladys Hunt is the editor of that one, and she also did this one called Read for Your Life, and it is turning teens into readers. So it's more than just the book lists, but there are a bunch of books in the end of it. And what I like about these is it's not just, here's the title, right. but it's almost a review Right. And it'll give you some heads up if right. there's something that you might need to know about. Um, sure. A couple other resources that I've used along the same lines are Jan Bloom's Who Should We Then Read? Yeah. These, she gives a short biography of different good authors and then she just lists all the books that they've written. So it doesn't necessarily have a review for every title. Right. But it really helps you find the good authors. Mm -hmm. And she has two volumes of this, and someone borrowed my other <laughs> volume. So whoever it is, you know who you are. <laughs> Give it back. <laughs> and then another one that long, long ago, and this book is probably almost 30 years old now, I think. I got it when my oldest was little tiny. Uh, Educating the Wholehearted Child by Sally Clarkson. But in the back of this one... It gives their favorite books for the different age levels as well, their family's favorite books. And now her daughter, and I forgot that one. Oh, yes, yeah, Sarah. Uh, her daughter has another book of book lists out now. Those so are that's a more so updated. helpful. Because, I mean, you can, find, you can find book lists on Amazon right. and wherever, but they're not from trusted people right. who share your values. And mm -hmm. I think that's what this lady's question is all about. Right. How do I filter mm -hmm. the values and the ideas that are coming in through the books and make sure that I'm giving my child good ones? Sure. So yes, those are very helpful. And so then I would say beyond the books with the book lists, there are um, in, in the Charlotte Mason um, world, there are many different uh, curriculum uh, lists that are out yes, there. Yes. And so you don't have to buy a certain curriculum, but you can look at their book lists mm -hmm. on the Simply Charlotte Mason website. There are book lists for mm -hmm. the different Absolutely. ages. And um, there, there are many different uh, websites that you can look at that use the Charlotte Mason method that have very mm -hmm. trusted um, book lists there too. Mm -hmm. So... I also think that part of that question um, that I'm hearing is, okay, let's say our child is this great reader and they come across something that um, maybe they have a question about or they think, you know, this isn't aligning with what my mom or dad say about something. You know, like for sure. that child to recognize um, the things, which is ultimately what we want. Definitely. We want them to Definitely. become their own filter, but... There should be 
that habit of good communication right. yes. between us as teachers and our children as students so that not only are we talking about the great things and the exciting things and the plots and the endings, but we're also comfortable talking about the hard things. And ultimately, that's why we want them to read is so sure. that they can be exposed and learned and these ideas can grow that way. When things happen in their life that are similar, you know, they can draw strengths from the characters and the plots that right. they are familiar with from the books. Um, right. So I see that, too, as she understands the child is uh, this great reader. Um, but also, how do I navigate it when we need to talk about something? Right. Um, so... I think there's a lot of good in giving them the right books and the right resources and us being responsible to make sure we're feeding them the correct books. But I think there's a deeper level of right. it's the, yes. the communication and the relationship with that child to be able to still talk about the good and the bad. Definitely. Yes. yes. You have to have yeah. your hearts turned toward each other. Mm-hmm. And it's not just discussions on books. Right. I mean, you're laying that foundation right. in discussions on everything. Right. And and I can understand, as you said, there's that fear mm-hmm. of, well, what if they pick up this mm-hmm. incorrect idea, yeah. a lie? What if right. they just right. innocently think it's true? But the, the truth of the matter is you cannot control everything that your right. child sees or hears or reads. Right. You cannot control it. And that's a scary thought. At some point, it hits you. But now that my kids are grown, I can kind of look back on it because now I'm really not controlling what they see. And they're all out of the house. What do I do now? But I can look back on it and say, okay, there's a transition that has to happen as they get older that they need to take. Our pastor usually says as the kids grow up, they have this box around them that these are the boundaries. Mm-hmm. But as they get older, that box needs to be inside them. Yeah. That yeah. these are the core beliefs. Mm-hmm. This is what I adhere to. Right. So they can then filter those things for yeah. themselves, as you said. Right. And I think we're doing our children a disservice mm-hmm. if we continue to shelter them and isolate them and insulate them all the way mm-hmm. up to graduation and then say, Okay, now you're on your right. own. They're going to have quite a shock Absolutely. <laughs> of what all's out there. Right, right, so right. we'll need to gradually make that transition. Yes. But underneath it all, it's about continuing to give them truth, mm-hmm. continuing to discuss and study the mm-hmm. core beliefs, mm-hmm. and keeping your hearts turned toward each other. Yes, do the best you can mm-hmm. picking out good books for that child, but you're going to, some things are going to slip through. Right, right. But the main thing is if you're covering that child in prayer, because mm-hmm. you can't control what that child mm-hmm. thinks, you can't control what nestles in his heart, but God sees the inside. Mm-hmm. And, and so if you're covering that child in prayer, mm-hmm. I think that's going to go a long way as yeah, well. Sure, sure. I think I, that gives us permission to not be angry at ourselves for feeling like we fall short. Yes. You know, so I, I appreciate that encouragement. <laughs> I remember when my oldest was looking for more books, very voracious reader, still is. And I just was looking at a, a list of classics, and one of them was The Three Musketeers. I thought, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I've seen the musical version of that with Gene <laughs> Kelly, you know. 
So I gave her the Three Musketeers. It's a classic. It must be okay. And she came back to me a little bit later. I think she was probably maybe 10 at the time. And she said, Mommy, this isn't a good book. And she gave it back to me. Just because there are a couple of episodes in there that are more for mature readers Mm -hmm. that would be fine now Mm because she has the filter inside her. But at that point... It wasn't the best fit. So I think age also has yeah. something to do with it. Right, for sure. As we go yeah, I think it's definitely a process. So like you were saying with the box, we're choosing those books for them or setting parameters. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were times at the library where um, my kids would find another book and I would just sit there and look at it or read it myself before we checked it out. And there is a place for that, for sure. Mm-hmm. And for making sure that you are, you know what's in that book. And you're laying this foundation for them and you're setting that bar um, where you want it set. Yes. And not where the culture is saying that the bar should be set. And so you're giving them this wonderful foundation. But then, yes, you don't want them to go out into the world without you to be able to kind of help them with that transition period. Mm-hmm. And so talking with them about, look, these are these are things that you may see other kids reading, and this is why we've chosen not to, you know, read these books. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have um, my oldest. There, there has been a book that many people were reading, and um, she had asked about it, and we avoided it for a while, and then um, at some point, as she, like I said, she's 18 now, right? And so I decided this was not a hill I wanted to die on. Um, and I told her, go ahead and read this book and then come back and tell me what you think. So starting to get her to internalize like with the box. Right. And, um, she, it was the series and she read two or three books and then she stopped at some point and she said, I've gotten to the point where it's not okay anymore. And she made that decision on her own. And so... I feel like, yes, at some point you do have to start letting them make decisions for themselves because otherwise, you know, they won't be able to stand on their own two feet. So definitely a process for sure. And age definitely plays a role in that. And maturity, it may not be like these books are okay for ages 10 and up, but, you know, it would depend on their maturity and that kind of thing. Absolutely. And, And when that child comes back to you and says, this is the decision I made and here's why, when it's a good choice, it just right. does your heart so good. It does. So it encouraging. Does. It yeah. does. And then when you see your kids in their free time reading William Shakespeare, <laughs> and you're like, wow, I didn't did do, I that do that. How did I do that? I mean, when I was in high school. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's, it's, really, it's really awesome. So, for sure. Thanks. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe through iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. You can also listen to the audio version or read the blog post on our website at simplycharlottemason.com. All of those links will be in the notes, along with links to the books that we mentioned that give you lists of good books. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you next time.